years ago, I was sitting on a panel at a conference where they were talking to young Catholics trying to figure out what it is that helps Catholics and especially young people to stay in the church. That there was this general recognition that Catholics are are leaving in, in large numbers. And they were trying to figure out, okay, we have some ideas as to why people are leaving, but what are the reasons that people are staying? And so I was sitting on this panel and they asked us, what is it that's difficult about being Catholic? And I sat there and I thought about it for a little while. I thought, it's not Jesus. He's great. He's all love. He did lots of good things. It's not the Eucharist. That's God with us. That's, that's perfect. It's not Mary and the saints. They're, they're good helpers. And that although all these things might be difficult for some people to believe in, they're not really the reasons that people leave the Catholic Church. Because there are all ways that if you actually look into them, they're things that God has used to reveal his love. But you know what doesn't always reveal God's love? It's something that's very specific. Other people. Well, at least not all of the time. Other people don't always reveal God's love. And while I wasn't invited back to give a second talk, I said that. I said that, you know, when it's just me and Jesus quietly in a church, we're great. But then I go out and I see other people doing awful things in his name. I experience other people doing things to hurt people, and Jesus doesn't seem to intervene to help. The real obstacle to going all into believing in Jesus, for me at least, is other people. But of course, I have this podcast. I love him. I've also gotten to know Jesus through a lot of other people. I'm Cecilia Ciccone, and Jesus loves you, this I know, because you're not alone. This is especially close to my heart because I'm an extrovert. And generally speaking, I love being around other people. It gives me energy. If I'm in a bad mood, the answer is not to go into my room. The answer is not to spend some time alone. The answer for me is to be around other people. And that's actually one of the reasons that I started the podcast. It was that I was overflowing with a need to talk to people about God. That it wasn't enough for me, given the temperament that God gave me, to just sit alone and, and think about God's love without telling anybody. I had to, to let it out. <laughs> this podcast is that opportunity to engage with you, the listeners, and lots of other people about God's love. When I was in the convent and living in a community of anywhere from like 8 to 70 people, it was a very big range, I was surprised to learn that not everyone felt that way. That a lot of people liked that time alone. They got their energy as introverts from spending time alone with God. That started making me think, like, what is this? Like, what is the reason that God has made me as a person who likes to be around other people? And just like God has given my introvert friends <laughs> the reality that we are beloved in his presence, that we don't need to prove anything before God, he has also made me an extrovert to reveal something about his love. And that is that human beings are made for communion. That's different than just community. Because when we talk about community, community is, you know, sharing resources, is living together, is just this morning I was walking the dog and my neighbor invited me over for coffee so that the dogs could play. Like that is community. But communion is sharing life is actually being willing to sacrifice for another so that I am giving a part of my heart of my life to you and you are giving a part of your heart 
of your life to me. Not just because you're trying to pay me back, but because we're living this life together. And that's something that's been evident from the very moment that God created us. So I hope as as we start this episode, which is really the first episode in what's going to be our journey through the Old Testament, we're going to be talking about essentially Adam and Eve, essentially about creation, and, and then in the next episode we'll be talking about sin. But I hope that you'll understand that we're not just talking about Adam and Eve when we are in fact talking about Adam and Eve. <laughs> we're talking about the reality of who God made us to be as humans and how God has revealed his love for us through his creation, through the way in which he made us. And yes, we look at that through the story of Adam and Eve. As you know, hopefully, (laughs) the story of Adam and Eve, uh, I'm not going to read it straight out to you because I'm pretty sure you know it at least, is that Adam was made first. Adam was made first and God gave him the task of taking care of the Garden of Eden and of naming all of the animals. He got to name them anything he wanted. But there got to be a point where Adam realized that he was not totally happy with the way things were. And this is something in the Catholic Church that we refer to as Adam's original solitude. That we can look at Adam in those moments when we think it would be better for us to just be alone before God. (laughs) And we see the struggles that Adam faced. That first of all, when Adam was alone before God, that there were no other humans around, he realized that he was not like other animals. Because animals are different from people. I love my dog Rocco. He's fantastic. But he doesn't understand English. Drives me nuts. (laughs) And so when I have started to try to train him, One of the first things that I read about was establishing myself as the alpha in our house. And the way that I did that was that initially I would put down his bowl of food and he would eat a little bit and then I'd take it away. And then I'd put it down and then I'd take it away again. And that was supposed to teach him that I, Cecilia, am the one that's feeding him. That the food doesn't just come out of nowhere. That someone is giving it to him and it's me. And then eventually, I would just keep my hand on the bowl. And then eventually, I would put my hand in the bowl while he was eating. And I was terrified when I did this. I thought he was going to eat my hand off. But in fact, he avoided my hand because he learned very carefully that I was the one that he needed to respect. He didn't know that initially. Initially, he thought like he might be the alpha. This might be his house. And I had to teach him. And he's an animal, so he learns only by seeing. He doesn't think sitting in my apartment and think, huh, who's in charge of this place? No, either it's him or it's me. That's all that he knows. (laughs) He doesn't have the same kind of freedom as Adam did. Adam, who was in the garden and who knew, even though he couldn't see him, that God was the one who gave him the plants and the food that he ate. That's the difference between animals and humans. That humans have the ability to see, to reason, to see something, and then make connections that are not immediately visible. So he knew that he was different from the other animals. He knew that the animals loved him because he took care of him, but that they could survive without him. And so he experienced a kind of loneliness because he was like, I don't quite fit in with these animals. But then there's a second part 
of the solitude that Adam felt. And that was that he was not fulfilled. That being alone, there felt like there was a part of him that was missing. And not just in a super dramatic way of like, you complete me, but that existentially alone, he was not his full self. And so eventually Adam received Eve. When he was alone in the garden, his only task was to take care of the animals in the garden. You can imagine like a workaholic who thinks that he's going to be fulfilled if, you know, only he gets the next raise. (laughs) That Adam was trying to be fulfilled by taking care of the animals. That wasn't it. It didn't work. We understand that that wasn't enough for him. So he, because he was different from the animals, was asking the question, why do I exist? What is my purpose? He felt lost. And God saw that. And God said, I'm glad that you don't feel totally fulfilled because you're not when you're alone. God essentially was like, I want you to remember this feeling when Eve gets on your last nerve. (laughs) I want you to remember that you do not feel fulfilled. You are not fulfilled by yourself. God revealed in giving Eve to Adam that we exist to live in communion with each other. That Adam did not feel fulfilled because he was not giving his life to anyone else. He wasn't able to give his life to the animals because they couldn't receive it. He needed someone who was able to receive his sacrifice and recognize it as love. And that's what he received in Eve. When Adam sees Eve, He very excitedly says, this at last is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. He says, at last, this is someone who I can give my life to. And when he sees Eve and Eve sees him, Eve says, this is someone I want to give my life to. And they exist in relationship. That's how we are made to be in that give and take where totally freely we give of ourselves to the other person, knowing that that is love, that that expression of love is what we were made for. Now, (laughs) Adam and Eve hadn't fallen at this point. And sometimes it can feel like it would be easier to be who God made us to be without the other people around. That was kind of what I was saying when in that story that I told you at the beginning that, you know, being Catholic would be easy if it wasn't for other people. But We are all made in the image of God. Each and every one of us is made in the image of God. But none of us is God himself. None of us reveals the fullness of God's love. And this is back to why God created us in the first place. It's something I talked about a lot in season one, is that he created us so that we would know his love, so that we would reveal his love. And who are we revealing his love to? Each other. Jesus loves you because you're not alone. It reveals just how special, unique, and unrepeatable you are, that no one else can reveal that part of who he is to the world today. It shows that you were made for communion. You were made to share a life with other people, whether that's through the sacrament of marriage or not, that we are all made to reveal, to give the parts of God himself 
who he's imprinted on our very being. We're meant to give that to each other, to receive the parts of God that other people reveal that we couldn't know otherwise. Because you see, this is actually what heaven is. In heaven, we are one with God and one with each other. Because God himself is not alone. The fact that we are not alone reveals that we are made in God's image because God is a trinity. God himself is a communion of persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are constantly loving each other. They are constantly giving each other their life and their love in such a way that they are indistinguishable as one God. And that's who we are at the core of how we were created as persons in the image of God, in the image of God who is a trinity, is that we were made to share our life and our love so that we become one. We're not alone because we are like God and he wants to bring us into his life. And there's no reason that he would do that except for love. And while in this season, we're going to be talking a lot about the Old Testament, we're going to be talking about the Old Testament characters, we're going to be talking about the Old Testament stories, I think it's really, really important that we know that this doesn't just stay in the Old Testament. It's not just someone 3,500 years ago who wrote a story about God that now we're trying to learn from. That this is actually who God is. That God is actually someone who made us to be in communion with one another, to share life, to give it freely, and to receive from one another with trust so that we would learn so that we can receive God's life and give our life in turn to God. That's not just something that's from the book of Genesis. It's something that God has revealed throughout the entire story of scripture, that that's why he made us. That's what he's trying to give us the power to do. So often in this time, as we're talking about the Old Testament, I'm going to continue pointing towards actually the New Testament, pointing towards there's not this weird sense that there's God of the Old Testament who's an angry God who's far removed from us, who wants nothing to do with us. No, that's not God at all. So I'm going to point to stories in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, so that we can see that the same God who made Adam and Eve, who made Adam and Eve to belong to each other, who made human beings in order to be in communion with each other, that that's the same God who became a human being in Jesus Christ. And I can't think of a better story to exemplify that than the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. So the story of the Samaritan woman, and I'm going to read the scripture for you, is essentially a woman who was really hurting. A woman who was feeling unfulfilled by her relationships with other people. She was kind of like me when I sat on that panel saying, look, everything would be fine with me and God if it wasn't for everybody else. And she met Jesus. Here's the story from the Gospel of St. John. A Samaritan woman came to draw water from a well, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a woman of Samaria, for a drink? Because Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water from the well will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus in this story crosses social conventions to talk to not only a woman, but a woman who is not considered Jewish. And in crossing conventions, he gave of his life freely. Other people talked about it. Other people were questioning why he was doing it. But he did it because he loved this woman. This woman, without even knowing it, was desperate to know his love. She wanted to belong to Jesus. And this, as people, is why we're not alone. So that in being in relationship with each other, we can learn how to be in relationship with God. This week's saint of the week is St. Peter. And St. Peter is the saint of the week, but we're actually not going to talk about him being Pope, like, at all. So (laughs) I actually want to talk about when Jesus first called him. That when Jesus first called St. Peter, St. Peter was in his boat. He was trying to fish. And he didn't catch anything that night. Jesus, Jesus gets in his boat, starts to teach, and then he says, lower your nets, cast out into the deep, is what Jesus says. And St. Peter says, you know, we haven't caught anything, but I'll do it for you. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it out if that's what you're saying. And he lowered his nets. And then, of course, the story goes, he caught tons of fish. He got down at Jesus's feet. He said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He didn't want to be near Jesus because he felt like he wasn't good enough. Jesus said, do not be afraid, for I will make you fishers of men. And I want to break this down a little bit because I think that this is a story Certainly, if you go to Mass, if you are super involved in the faith, you've heard it a lot of times. If you're not, this might be totally new for you, and that's something to learn from, too. So here in this story, Peter doesn't feel like he's good enough once Jesus reveals his full power. And so there's a couple of things here. The first is that Jesus says, no. You're good just as you are. I'm not calling you because you're fantastic. Not calling you because you're perfect. I'm calling you because you're you. And that's something that's at the core of living a life of communion with each other. Is that we're not in relationship with who we wish our friends would be or who we wish our spouses were but that we really love the people in our lives exactly as they are right now in this moment. It doesn't stop there, though, because Jesus says, no, don't be afraid. I, I, I know I know who you are, Peter. <laughs> don't worry about it. I love you just as you are, but you're not going to stay that way. The scene of the week this week is St. Peter. (laughs) And uh, 
St. Peter's the saint of the week because in this episode where we're talking all about how good it is, how it's a reminder of God's love that we belong to each other, St. Peter is someone who I believe, in my opinion, would have been really difficult to get along with. He is someone who is very obviously not perfect, whose flaws came through at a lot of points. He had a lot of conflict in his life. Yet nevertheless, Christ chose him as the rock on which he built his church. And so St. Peter, if if you'll uh, allow me, <laughs> was originally named Simon. And the story in the Gospels goes that he was fishing throughout the night and caught nothing. And then Jesus was preaching and Jesus asked to get in his boat and told him to row out. And Jesus preached from his boat for a little bit and then eventually said, Simon, put your nets, cast them into the deep, go and try to get some fish. And Simon said, uh, okay, but we haven't caught anything, but I'll do it. Whatever you say, Jesus. He lowered the nets. They were filled with fish. It says that the boat almost capsized because that's how many fish he caught. Simon's reaction was to fall down at the feet of Jesus and say, depart from me for I am a sinful man. He knew he wasn't perfect. He knew that he he really wasn't worthy of belonging to God. But Jesus said, do not be afraid for I will make you fishers of men. And for whatever reason, Peter was convicted and he decided to follow Jesus. He decided to leave his entire livelihood behind to follow this carpenter from Nazareth. And when I think about that story, I often in my heart, I'm like, what is it? Like all night, I I imagine <laughs> that Peter was, you know, lowering his nets, pulling them up, getting nothing, getting nothing. And all night he was like, why am I doing this? I don't even like this. What is my reason for existing? And so he would have experienced this like deep existential angst. And so it was in this really deep, dark place that then he was open to hearing God's word. He was open to hearing Jesus say, put your nets out. And he said, he said, I've been doing that. I'm the fisherman. It's not working. But for you, God, I'll try one more time. And that was the word of hope. That was the word of hope that allowed Peter then to be open to receiving God's abundant love. And in my mind, as I imagine this story, when Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, then Peter in his heart is like, that's what I was made to do. That's what I was made to do, was to bring people to God. Now, this is a beautiful story. It's wonderful. But of course, we know that it doesn't stop there. (laughs) That yes, Peter decided to follow Jesus. They had a great time. Literally a few chapters later, Jesus calls him Satan. (laughs) Um, That Peter, he wanted to follow Jesus in his own way. So he was made for a relationship with Jesus, but he was also made for a relationship with other people. And one of the stories that St. Peter is probably most well known for is that when, well, first of all, when Jesus got arrested, he cut off the ear of of one of the servants, which is certainly not something that that Jesus wanted to happen. So he, he was fiery. He was full of passion. But then when Jesus is arrested, and this is what, again, he, he's known for, is that three times 
he denied Jesus. People came and said, oh, like, you're you're one of his friends. And he said, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. Three times. And it says that he could see Jesus. He could see Jesus under arrest. And then the cock crowed. He heard the rooster and he wept because he realized that his very reason for existing, the person he belonged to, he had rejected him fundamentally. Then Jesus dies. Spoiler alert, he comes back. And when he rises, one of the first things that he does when he encounters Peter is he says, do you love me? Three times. Giving Peter the opportunity to belong to him again. Giving Peter the opportunity to heal their relationship. And I could go on and on with stories about St. Peter, especially in the Acts of the Apostles. Stories of him making relationships more difficult and then fixing them and then healing them through God's grace. So that's why I think St. Peter is such a great example of this reality that God loves us because we're not alone. Yes, we're, we're not alone because he is here with us always, but we're also not alone because he's given us each other. He's given us each other to see the work that he can do. Because I'm almost positive that Peter did not realize just how amazing God's love and mercy was shining through him. But everyone else saw it. Everyone else was brought to God through St. Peter. And that's the history of the Catholic Church, that because of St. Peter's witness, we now have the succession of popes who throughout history has handed on the word of God to us, who has taught us with the help of the Holy Spirit what it is that God is revealing. And so, thanks be to God for St. Peter, for his brokenness, for everything that seems kind of silly about him, (laughs) because it's a wonderful reminder that we too are called in our weakness And to look at each other, to know that when we see other people, when we see maybe their darker sides, we see some of their weakness, to not just discount them, to not say, oh, that's that must not be a godly person, or there's no way Jesus is working in that person, but to look all the more closely, because it's precisely in our brokenness as individuals and in relationship, the brokenness of the people that we encounter, the brokenness of the people that we love, that that is where we're drawn closest into the work that God is doing in our lives. So St. Peter, pray for us. This week's love tap, finally we, we got a little break in the weather, and I got to hang out by the pool for the first time this week with one of my friends who we've known each other since we were like eight years old. She's one of my only friends that still lives in Delaware, yet somehow we don't interact very much. We, we just, schedules get busy, we've moved farther apart, And we sat by the pool all afternoon, and it was this wonderful time of being able to be myself, of knowing that I was with someone who has known me forever. She knew me through my awkward middle school phase, so we're still friends. And so it was this wonderful reminder of, yes, it's good that I'm not alone, of Jesus showing his love through the fact that he has given me other people, and in turn, he has given me to other people. So praise God for that. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving God, you said that it is not good for us to be alone. We thank you for the gift that you have given us of each other, the gift of each other that teaches us to love like you love. Lord, help us to be vulnerable in our relationships as your Holy Spirit prompts us. 
Help us to be open to loving and to receiving love in return. Because, Lord, we know that it is by these spirit-led relationships on this earth that we are prepared to be one with you and with each other in heaven. Lord, as always, we pray that through your grace, we will be with you forever in heaven because we know that we cannot do it alone, Lord. So we humbly come before you and give you our lives, trusting everything that you choose to do. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I am Cecilia Ciccone, and this has been Jesus Loves You, This I Know, a podcast on God's love. It's always a joy to connect with you on social media, where you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CEC Squared. If you believe in the message of this podcast, you can support it in several ways. First of all, I need so much prayer (laughs) and prayer for everyone who listens to. If you're able to transcribe an episode or two for those who are unable to listen for whatever reason, I invite you to send me a message um, and we can certainly figure that out. I I would be very grateful for that collaboration. Lastly, if you feel moved to help by providing some financial support, you can do so by Venmo to at CEC underscore squared or through the podcast website, JesusLovesYouPod.org. And that'll be in the show notes too. All right, that's it for this episode. Until next time, we'll be united in prayer. And remember, Jesus loves you, this I know, because, well, because of everything.